No, I did not watch The Sound of Music live. I'm sorry. Hi, it's the Digital Side Hug. And I've got Walter Serdaki here with me, who who we began begun by being distracted. Walter, hey, hey, how are you? I'm good. Uh, so the digital side hug is the name of the podcast. What we're going to be talking about here today is is uh, in addition to some of the more hilarious elements of Walter's life, um, we're going to be talking about working with teenagers, what it means to do that, how we can get better at it, perhaps working with parents. Um, tell you've been in youth ministry. About 20 years. 20 years. And tell us what you do right now, Walter. I am the uh, professor of youth and family ministry at Lipscomb University in my sixth year of doing that. And before you moved to to Lipscomb to to lead that program, you were in youth ministry in California? Full-time youth ministry in about three different churches. I was at a small church in Torrance, California, near the L.A. airport. And I spent five years at the, what is now called the University Church at Pepperdine and worked there for about five years. And then I spent a little over 10 years at Campbell Church of Christ in the Bay Area of California. Okay. And you've got a wife and kids. Tell us about them real quick. Yeah, i got a wife, Amy, who teaches high school. So our whole lives have been uh, enmeshed in adolescence. That's right, yes. And we currently have two adolescents in our home, uh, Madeline and Abby, who are uh, freshmen and sophomores. And I know your family. I love your family. You and your wife have uh, gotten a chance to sort of tag team uh, on some leadership for mm-hmm. volunteers at our at the program that I run here at Otter Creek in Nashville. Uh, and you're the expert youth ministry professor at Lipscomb. I'm not sure that your wife doesn't bring just as much to the table when it comes to leading more. and teaching. Yeah. She is really, really impressive, and I love your girls. Uh, just, It's great to have you and to be talking with you. Now, I'm going to ask you you know, just a couple of quick get-to-know-me questions. Uh, this is called Blitzkrieg Get-to-Know-Me. Start the music. Okay, Walter, my first question for you is growing pains or family ties? Family ties. Very Mallory good. Mallory was my first crush. So, didn't we all have a crush on Mallory? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what's your go-to soda pop? Water. Mmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Sounds good. If uh, I have to, Coke. So you can attend one major sporting event, not specific teams, but like just of all the major sport, you know, national championship games, football, World Series game seven. What would it be? World Series Game 7. Okay, so you'd rather see that than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, your favorite Tom Hanks movie, but favorite Tom Hanks movie that, that did not win an Oscar. Oh, it's got to be a tie between The Money Pit or Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Joe versus the... What are you kidding? Joe versus the Volcano was great. No, no, sorry. Uh, okay, big. so what is it? Got to go with Big. Oh, Big? Yeah. And Zoltar. <laughs> that was great. That was really great. Um... All right, so word association. When I say this, when I say a word or phrase, you respond, whatever okay. comes to mind. Murray Bazinski. Basketball. Chubby Bunny. Danger, danger, danger. <laughs> Do not attempt that in your youth ministries ever. Solid gold. Dancers. Pork bellies. Fried chitlins. 8675309. Jenny. And Snuffleupagus. Brown carpet. <laughs> okay, good. 
Now, uh, my question, my last question for you would be, uh, actually I've got two others, but this is my, my last little, you know, sort of get to know me. Um, so your dream NCYM location, the National Conference on Youth Ministries is, is a, you know, organization that brings together Church of Christ youth ministers from all over the country. Uh, and you and I have been there together. We go every year. Where would be the dream location in the U.S.? I mean, let's, let's be realistic. Oh, okay. Maui. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well continental United yeah, States. Let's, yeah. uh, uh, Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast. Anywhere on the Florida Gulf okay, Coast. Okay, good. Um, all right, so there's a button in front of you. And this is in honor of, of Disney. You're headed to Disney mm-hmm. this week or later. A week from today, you'll be arriving at Disney. And I don't know when you'll be listening to this podcast, of course, but um, in honor of Disney, my button question for you is, there's a button in front of you. If you press it, you may go to Disney for free and stay for the rest of your life and never leave, Okay. You, in fact, you must do this. If you press the button, mm-hmm. you're invited to the Disney parks in Orlando. You can take a direct flight from there to the one in Disney uh, in, in, in LA. You can go to Europe or Japan, any of the Disney parks, but you have to stay there for the rest of your life. No expenses. All expenses paid. Mm-hmm. All food is free, everything. Okay. If you do not press the button, you may never experience Disney in any capacity again for the rest of your life. Easy, don't press the button. Because I've gotten to go four or five times. Okay. So, so I've been I, blessed. I, I thought I would make that, I thought that would be more <coughs> challenging, given, you know, your love for I Disney. I love their food, and I love their rides, but we also love natural vacations, too. Like <laughs> right, beaches right. And okay, so um, Morris Gregwire delivers a question to us every week that I ask. Uh, it's from, you can find this on Asking Can Be Fun. Uh, it's If you type it in to Facebook, Morris Gregwire, Dr. Morris Gregwire asks some really great questions, as you know, can be helpful in youth ministry. Uh, so here's the question that I have for you. Question number 366 from Dr. Morris Gregwire. Walter, name all the people you know who have watched a WNBA game from start to finish. I got nothing. <laughs> I've watched maybe a quarter just to see the spectacle that is WNBA. Well, isn't it sad that you can't name a single? I couldn't either. That question Leslie made me laugh Sparks. so hard. Is that even? Leslie wait. Swoops? Swoops. No, oh, it was Cheryl LA. Swoops. Cheryl. <laughs> it was Cheryl Swoops. Leslie. Oh, there was a, there was a Leslie somebody that played for Why the Sparks. Face? Leslie. Why can't we uh, remember? We have already yeah. spent a minute and a half too much talking about the WNBA on this podcast. All right, Walter, we, we've got, you know, approximately 15 minutes left to talk about youth ministry. Great. You were in youth ministry for 16 years, 18 years, somewhere in there. Somewhere like that. You're now training youth ministers mm-hmm. at Lipscomb University. And and by the way, I think you've got an unbelievable program there. Um, to let you know, Walter and I are in town together. And Otter Creek, my church, has received uh, three or four different apprentices uh, that are youth ministry majors that, that you're teaching and training at school who are getting practical experience in our ministry. And it's been phenomenal. My question for you is, what do you miss most about youth ministry proper? Mm-hmm. And what do you miss the least? Well, you know, I had a friend of mine's wife ask me this a couple of years ago, and um, I don't feel like I miss youth ministry. I'm in a different area of youth ministry. Um, 
and, and as, a, as a professor. And what's been really fun over the last five or six years now is being on the other side of youth ministry as a volunteer and as a parent, having had the experience in the field. I would say I miss most um, students being in my home on Wednesday nights while we would worship together and fill our tiny little house that we had in California with, with worship and, uh, and then crack open the word and dive deep into the word. And I miss, I miss just that being in my home. Um, you know, we get touches of it with the, with the covenant groups coming in and out now. Um, so the proper part of youth ministry, yeah. that's the part I miss the most. Do, do, let, let me jump in and ask, do you get that some with your college students? Do you ever get to invite oh, them yeah, into yeah. your home? And do yeah, that? yeah. And, and I'm sure I it's different. That. I'm sure I it's different, you know, with those with that level of student, especially being interested in, yeah. in youth ministry or whatever. But that's cool that you still get to do some of that. Well, so what do you miss the least? Um, I do not miss my daughters uh, having to say goodbye to my daughters. Um for weeks at a time in the summer and yeah. weekends and those kinds of things. Um, now they're the ones saying goodbye to me, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, that grind of the calendar that, you know, when my daughters were younger, they couldn't understand. So, Did that, did that contribute somewhat to this opportunity that you took? Because, you know, you moved yeah. your family all the way across mm-hmm. the country to a totally different place. Yeah, we knew no one here. Um, I'm sure it contributed to it, um, having the ebb and flow of the academic calendar so I could be present yeah. during such a vital, you know, from, you know, they were 9 and 10, I think, when we moved here. So such a vital age to to be right by them and with them so much more. Did and um, did they express missing you during your summers when you would be gone? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and now sure you have you've summers. experienced it, and, and many of the guys who have, of who have children experience it. You know, having to rip kids off of yeah. you, crying, um, yeah, is just was hard. Yeah, well, part of life. Uh, you know, yeah. not balancing family and ministry in any ministry <clears throat> can be tough. But mm-hmm. then when you when you throw in, you know, that's why so many youth ministers don't make it through right. the through right. the years of raising your know, children and then having teenagers. Um, so what do you, you know, how do you prepare, having experienced that yourself, mm-hmm. how do you prepare your students who, are, who want to be yeah. youth ministry, ministers? They come to you, girl, guy, they say, I've got this calling. Mm-hmm. I know God wants me to be a youth minister. You know, maybe it's because their youth minister, you know, changed their life or what have you. You can see down the road of their future, you know, there's going to be a struggle with the balance of family and ministry. What do you say to prepare them against that yeah. struggle? Yeah, we do, do, we do a couple things in our program at, at Lipscomb. Uh, we talk about it uh, in several of our classes. We have an introduction to ministry that our, we talk about it in. We talk about it in our introduction to youth ministry classes. And we also talk about it in our senior seminar class right before they leave. So they get it at least three or four times. And we talk about the just the vi- vitalness, to make up a word, I guess. Um, I'm, well, let's go with it. We'll go with that of taking Sabbath and, and being yeah. vigilant about having that, that day off and um, a week. And I was fortunate enough in my last ministry environment where if I found myself in the office on, on my day off, uh, my fellow staff people would give me a hard time about That's it. And they'd good. say, we, we, no, you need, to, you need to go, Walter. And it's not that they didn't like me. They loved me. I mean, they were saying that because right. they loved me. And, uh, and then about... 
two or three years into parenthood, Amy and I took a two-week vacation, and it felt like we were gone a month. Mm. And that was something that was so refreshing to our soul because in a week-long vacation, by the time you hit Wednesday or Thursday, your mind starts to click back to, oh, about two or three days i got to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And you start to mentally check out. And <clears throat> after being gone 10 days, I remember this vividly, I didn't even start to think about Sunday. And so I could really enjoy the whole two weeks of that. And I know that's difficult for some people, um, but we were fortunate enough to have some members' homes or places like that where we could get away to yeah. and make that affordable. And those were some rich, deep memories that continue to this day in the ways that we do vacation. And when, when you have those in the back of your head responsibilities that you, you can't get out of your head, it is impossible to totally relax. And so maybe impossible to be totally present for right. your family. That's cool. So, I mean, I guess you tell that story to your students. They I do. find I do. a way, you know. To... Yeah, and I co-teach a class with a guy who's a preacher in town. And he, every every year when I do that do that section, he's like, man, i got to start doing that. Got to start yeah. doing that. And, uh, and you know, he, he hasn't yet. But, he, you know, I keep praying for him to get the chance to do that. I've only ministered in the Bible Belt. You've been, obviously, mm -hmm. in multiple spots that are very different. Mm -hmm. So talk about the difference yeah. between ministry in California, yeah. youth ministry there, and youth ministry in the Bible Belt. Yeah, it's uh, the thing that, I, that has struck me the most is, you know, in California, both in Malibu, where I was, and in the Bay Area, which is also just a remarkable place in the country because you had the high-tech industry, that, mm -hmm. that's the heartbeat of the high-tech industry, Apple, Intel, IBM, I mean, all the major companies. Yet the culture in both in, in most of those places in California is not one that is either welcoming or warm to faith. And so uh, for me, coming to California, the third question people ask me is, where do you go to church? Never would be asked that in California. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And as a result, what the students that I would get in my youth ministries are families who are choosing to be somewhat countercultural, but also to be proactive in their faith. And coming to, coming to the Bible Belt, it's a little bit different with the, there's a social expectation yeah. of being part of right. a faith community. And, uh, and the, the level of commitment varies sometimes. And, uh, you know, it, for, for a student to go to church in California, there's, a, there's usually a significant level of commitment that they're buying into to be part of a youth group and a church. Mm -hmm, right. <clears throat> and that, that was just a blast to get the minister to. That is a difference. Youth ministers, do they, do they have, is the, what about mm -hmm. the camaraderie there? Oh, yeah. I know <clears throat> there's camaraderie here. Is it, how is it different out there? It, uh, it is, um, I think, that's one of the three things that allowed me to be um, long-term in youth ministry was the, the network of youth ministers there because it's sink or swim out there. Yeah. And you got a lot of guys. You've got to plug into the lives of other people. you got to plug into those other youth yeah. ministers because a lot of those guys have to work in what we would call small churches, but they're average-sized churches nationwide when you look at the statistics of 150, 200-member churches. Right. 
And so it's hard for them, A, usually to find peers in those size of churches, but more importantly, it's hard for them to find places where they can kind of vent mm -hmm. because of those faith communities being so small. And so when they come together with the other youth ministers, you know, we would get together to plan camp. That was our excuse for being out of the office, and we'd spend half our time doing that, but the other half we'd spend nurturing, encouraging, right. loving on one another and saying, hey, I'm dealing with this. How do you deal with that? And uh, I had that in Southern California, had that in Northern California, because the churches were so small that most of them couldn't do their own camp. And so they had to develop a consortium. Yeah. And, uh, and that, was, uh, that was just a wonderful, rich blessing. Yeah. Well, and I know being here, you know, in this part of the country, we had fewer opportunities to be extras in Seinfeld episodes. Yep, yep. Uh, I was in the lip reader. Uh, I not love that story. How did you, how did this happen? Uh, I guess you were in Malibu at the time. We No, we were actually in Torrance. I was in a buddy of mine's uh, wedding, and uh, a friend of his was a guy who would get audiences for, oh, um, awesome. and they needed an extra 100 people for the tennis scene at the U.S. Open. Uh -huh. And we got to go and sit in the stands, and there's two scenes where you can see me and my wife in there. Now I have hair and a ponytail, and that was not a wig back then. <laughs> For those of you, you know, listening instead of watching, which would be all of you, um, it, not a lot of hair to put I'm in bald. a ponytail. Now. <laughs> I'm bald. So, um, Walter, what has teaching, uh, four, five years? Five years. Five years you've been teaching youth ministers, preparing them. What has teaching youth ministers taught you? That's a really great question. I, you know, being on the side of being a parent and volunteer now has been a fantastic way to shape how I train and teach um, youth ministers. The main, the main thing that I went into this um, calling with was what were the things I wish I knew and got to experience that I didn't get to experience as an undergrad Bible major and as a graduate Bible mm -hmm. major? Um, and there were so many of the kind of the nuts and bolts type of stuff that nobody taught us about and the pitfalls about um, ministry and things to avoid. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a much different time when you and I were back in school. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've, been, I've been sharing with them all the stuff that I wish I would have known. And, uh, you know, sometimes you you wonder how much of it goes into, you know, a 19-year-old's head and right out the other side of it because without that context of being in a ministry situation, it's hard to understand so much of that. But hopefully some of that's sticking and will, and will continue to, to nurture them. And as I start to see some of our alumni now, I'm, I'm seeing those habits that we have put into their lives um, that they're continuing and will, I think, serve them for a long time long seasons of ministry in the churches they're at. On the graduate level, it's a whole different ball of, ball of wax. And that's even more fun because they have the context. Right. And so when we do talk about some of those kinds of things, it's more talking about um, application or change yeah. and, you know, and really kind of what the research out there is saying. They're experiencing on the ground, yeah. you know, ministry. As yeah, so I don't need class. to teach them how to put together a calendar or a budget, those right. kinds of things. You know, we can talk about some kind of more global issues. Yeah. Um, so is there one, if, if, you know, you're talking about the 19-year-old, mm -hmm. it, it might go in and out the other side of their <coughs> head, but 
if there was one thing that is at the top of the list, and mm-hmm. if you get through this youth ministry program or through this class on youth ministry, the one thing that you would just say, this this student is going to know, mm-hmm. that, that you know, what would that one thing be? If my students don't realize that parents are probably the most important resource in the spiritual formation of their of, a, of an adolescent, then they've missed they've slept through my entire <laughs> class, um, and that was one of the things I missed the first ten years of my ministry. You know, I you know I remember some of the old youth worker journals and group magazines and the co- comics were always put pitting elders and parents as the enemies yeah and now our research shows mom and dad are number one and two in the spiritual formation of a kid and if they if if we leverage that if we're able to truly partner with moms and dads and then on top of that other adults because it you know when we started youth ministry is the one youth minister and the 20 kids and and maybe a cool you know 24 year old or, yeah. or, or, a, or a cool college kid right and that's you know my first interns were were undergrad students at Pepperdine and uh, and they were cool and they were cooler than me which doesn't take much but <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't see your ponytail you I didn't know you then but but I look back and I think about the Janets and the Sandys and the riches that I just didn't use yeah. and and expose to our students and let them do life with them as well. Um, and I didn't help them either um, kind of work with their students. Well, so I, I want to transition. I actually was, one of the questions I was going to ask you was, what, what would you do differently? It sounds like you've yeah. already answered that one. Yeah. Just, you know, the respect level and the recognition for what parents bring and, and how important they are. So I want to I want to dovetail there and talk about something that you do a lot of that you're yeah. really passionate about. And hearing you talk about the tech industry around where you mm-hmm. worked when you were in the Bay Area, sort of, you know, like connects to, I know you're a big tech guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know those things. And I used to think that's because you, you love techie stuff, but but you travel around. And now I understand, you know, you want to know that stuff because parents need to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. So you go to churches and you do stuff with, with tech. Yeah. Talk about why you do that and what's, what are some of the nuggets there that you try to, you, you know, yeah. teach parents or, or help people understand. You know, I, I love tech, like you said. Um, but I think the problem with technology is we find ourselves kind of surrounded by technology, almost enslaved to it, without asking, how in the world have I gotten here? And so I've been doing a lot of research over the last really seven, eight years of really developing a theology of technology. I'm not a Luddite by any means. Um, I have my iPad and my iPhone and those kinds of things, and I love them. But I want to ask, how can we maintain a healthy rhythm of life without um, technology owning me? I like to say technology was created to serve humanity, mm-hmm. not humanity to serve technology. And, and so I see a lot of parents kind of throwing up their hands yeah. and a lot of students who kind of find themselves really enslaved by it. I don't want to be that fatalistic, but, you know, I think there's a... So I've tried to develop a way of saying, how can we do life best with technology? Because yeah. given a theological framework with that and then a bunch of practical tools parents can use. Because none of our parents grew up with no. this in their lives as a, as a first language, you know. No. And all of our students are growing up 
in a culture where the, digital the first language you speak is, mm-hmm. is you know the digital language. So there's going you know obviously there's going to be a, a, a clash there. So when a parent comes to you and, and says you know maybe you've just made a presentation or mm-hmm. or they don't even know about this and says my, my son will not put down his phone I cannot mm-hmm. have a conversation you mm-hmm. know what's what's the direction that you take without yeah. I mean obviously we don't have 45 minutes to do a presentation yeah. on it here but what's the direction you would coach us to go in you know it goes back to my longevity in ministry too it's sabbath it's a concept of sabbath of saying you we have to have a time mm-hmm. when we are not available to everybody and so we power down our devices so they're daily sabbaths and weekly yeah. sabbaths so on saturdays i choose not to check my work email um, so I can be fully present with my daughters. Because if I, you've gotten that email that mentally takes you away yeah, for the yes. next two or three hours, and had I not checked that email, I, you know, so a weekly Sabbath yeah. where you don't check it, and then a daily Sabbath where I say, let's have an hour or two where we just power down our devices. Whether that's around the dinner table, whether that's between the hours of 8 or 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. whatever. And then we make sure our kids um, charge all their uh, devices downstairs away from their bedroom. So they can sleep through the whole entire night and not be interrupted by the buzz of the vibration. Yeah. My first thought as you were talking about that was how easy it would be for me to challenge Madeline or Benson, my son and daughter that are in middle school, to put their phones away, their iPods, their iPads, but then to pull mine out for work purposes. Yeah. And, and to well, give myself the excuse of, you know, I get a paycheck, so I've got to check this email or I've got to no. respond to this text. And my son or daughter watching me, you mm-hmm. know, fail to follow the Sabbath, you know, sort of principle. Right, uh, and that's why it's because we have to model yeah. that ourselves. And, uh, and Amy and I wow. try to do a good job of that. Well, that is good for me to hear. You know, I've, I, uh, I need that. I need that. I really do. I appreciate very much... Uh, that challenge, and I wish you know. I know. Uh, was it two summers ago that you did a a, a study of teens and risk behaviors, mm-hmm. or what? Yeah. We we don't have time to get into it right now. Um, but but I want I, I want to talk about that at some point. Could yeah. we bring you back on the podcast and do oh, that yeah, at some point? Oh yeah, I'd love to talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, give us a give us a teaser. What what's a what's well, a one takeaway? Oh. I think it comes down to teens being immersed in the language of faith. Um, and it, it comes back down to intergenerational Christian formation. And, you know, if, if 80 to 90% of the time that our students are spending in the faith community are only with their peers, they're not being exposed to other ideas in the language of faith. Okay that can shape, challenge, push, prod, and pull them into some positive directions, and vice versa. The, the larger body yeah. of the Christian community aren't hearing the ideas and the ways God's working through an adolescent that helps remind me and encourage me. I miss out if I don't hear their dialogue on it as well. That, that sounds a little bit like the scaffolding idea that mm-hmm. helps, helps these you know, people <clears throat> grow. Uh, okay, good. Well, we'll talk about that again some yeah. other time. Yeah. Uh, Walter, thank you so much for being on this podcast, for being a friend, uh, for loving my family um, the way you do and blessing our youth ministry. It's called the Digital Side Hug, but so far I've, 
I've gotten pretty much a full frontal hug from every guest. Are it, I, well, pressure, I do, the I pressure's hold, on. Well, I do side hug lessons in our <laughs> class. So. Well, I'm doing kind of a, this Here is a three, three quarters hug right now. <laughs> I love you, Walter. Thank, Thank you, you so man. much for being on the podcast. And we'll see you next time, the digital side hug.